Amen, amen. You can have a seat. Welcome, everybody, to Easter in Eagle River. We are so excited that you are here. Hey, we have a tradition together. Every year, I say he is risen. You say he is risen indeed. Let's do this together. He is risen. Amen, amen. That is so true. Hey, if you're brand new to this place, uh, to gathering with us, we're so glad that you're with us here today. You are part of something amazing today. We gather together, not just with those who are in this space, but with over two billion other Christians worldwide celebrating that Jesus is alive. Amen. Amen. And they're celebrating, man, that they went to the tomb and and they, they expected to find a dead body, but, but nobody expected no body, right? There was no body in the grave. Jesus was alive, and he is alive today. And I'm so excited to share some things with you uh, this morning. But the first thing I want you to do before we get into the message is on your seat when you came in, there was a survey. Would you, everybody pull out the survey just to make me feel better and hold it in the air. Would you just hold it up in the air if you got a survey? This is like everybody in the room, 100% participation. Grab your survey if you would. Hold it up. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to fill this out together. If you're with us online, we've got a link for you as well. Um, Again, even if you're part of ACF and you've been part of our church for years, fill this out together. I know you're kind of like, nothing says Easter like a survey. I see some of you not so excited about it. Listen, this is is a big deal uh, for two two reasons. The first thing is this. You're going to help us know what to preach on over the next year. Uh, As we plan out our messages and what we're talking about, we need to know what are the actual needs that you see in our community, that you see in your family, in your friends' lives. And so would you check those boxes? You can check multiple boxes of of what you feel like right now is a major thing that we need to be talking about in the church. And then at the bottom, what you're going to see is some information about where you live. And uh, that's going to help us to know uh, some things about expansion. So God is, I think, uh, growing our church. And maybe you've noticed, but we're starting to run out of room. That's why we do church at the high school. And so we want to know where you're at, where you're commuting from, so we can start uh, pinpointing some locations to move beyond Eagle River into some new locations as a church family. So uh, I, know, I know sometimes you're nervous about information in 2022, but hey, look at the person next to you and say, they ain't going to spam you. Go ahead, say, tell them, they ain't going to spam you. That's right. We're not going to spam you. Don't worry. We're not going to send you a bunch of junk. Uh, we just want to get some information so we can serve our, uh, our community better moving forward. So I'm going to give you actually 60 seconds right now. Like right now. So grab your pen, fill it out, uh, update your information. And uh, I think the band has written like an original survey song, just some survey music. Can you guys play that for us? That'd be great.
You guys should record that. I think that'll be a hit. That'll be a big deal. Um, <laughs> hey, if you're brand new, once again, welcome uh, to ACF. We're so glad that you're with us. Uh, whether I've seen you not since Christmas or Grandma invited you to Easter and you're just doing her a favor, uh, a favor. L- listen, we are just uh, excited that you're here and excited to be able to talk about the resurrection of Jesus. And uh, this, again, this is the moment of all moments. Like, this is the hinge point of history. If there is no resurrection, there is nothing to believe, and our faith is in vain. That's what the Bible says. But since Jesus is alive, it changes everything. This is the most significant moment in all of human history that we talk about today, that Jesus is alive. And so we're starting a brand new series today called Come Alive. And uh, this is going to last this week as well as two more weeks. And next week we're talking about what it means to come alive in your thoughts. Uh, I don't know if you're like me, but I struggle with my thoughts sometimes. I struggle controlling my thoughts and affects my life. And the Bible actually has a lot to say about how to manage our thoughts. And so next week we'll talk about that. Then the following week we're going to talk about coming alive in our emotions. So we are emotional beings, whether we like it or not. Uh, A lot of the dudes in the room are like, I'm not emotional. Trust me, you have emotions. We all do. And so we actually believe that you can't be spiritually healthy without being emotionally healthy. That God gave you emotions, that he has a lot to say about how to be emotionally healthy. So we'll be talking about that as we move forward. We're going to start today in Luke chapter 24, and if you have a Bible, you can uh, follow along. Also, if you have the ACF Church app, you can download that and follow along with us on the app as well. But this is the story. This is the moment where it begins. It says this in verse 1. It says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. These are the original Spice Girls. So anyway, (laughs) pastor joke. I'm sorry I had to go there. Uh, They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down on their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. So think about what's going on in this moment. You've got these three women who show up, and they show up early, right? Where are all the dudes at? Sleeping, right? Like some of y'all, like, I wish I was still sleeping today. Like they're sleeping, and they've lost hope, right? There's no reason for them to go to the tomb. Again, as we look at the historical account of the resurrection, it just confirms more and more that no one expected that Jesus would be raised from the dead. He'd been talking about it. He'd been sharing about it, and yet they missed it. They missed it. And so they show up to the tomb, and, and everything changes in this moment. They'd lost their vision, Right? And maybe you've been there before where you've lost your vision. Like you, you, you kind of forgot your purpose and you started to wonder like, why do I even get out of bed in the morning? Like, why do I exist? Why do I have the job that I, job that I have? Why, why, why do I have the family that I have? Why do I do what I do? And we lose our vision so easily. I was reading a study this week uh, about how our brains work. And there's this interesting neurological shift that actually happens as you age. Uh, which I'm starting to notice, so I just turned 40 this year, and so my brain's changing. I'm forgetting stuff. Uh, My mind's not working in some ways like it used to, right? Like our brains start to change. And what happens in our minds is that as we get older, our brains start moving from the right side of the brain over to the left side of the brain. 
Like when you're younger, you operate more out of the right side of the, your brain. And as you get older, you start to operate out of the left side of your brain. The right side is more about creativity. It's where your, your imagination comes from. And, and your left side is all about logic, right? Just whatever's practical, which some of y'all, that's how you live, right? Just whatever's practical. But I've noticed that as I've gotten older, I've kind of lost my imagination. I lose my ab- ability to dream and to have vision. And, and it's so natural for us to do that. But what Easter does is Easter actually gives us a vision. It gives us a vision of something better for our lives. And it's when billions of people around the world stop and celebrate that life isn't this arduous death march to our imminent non-existence. But it's Jesus' victory and a a march into our truest existence as, as humans that God has created us to be. Uh, Proverbs 29, 18 says this, Without vision, the people perish. This is why so many different organizations and businesses, they're always talking about what's our vision. If you're at a job that you love, they, it's a job that has a strong vision. It's so important to know what our vision is. And some of you guys are like, no, I've got a vision, Brian. But um, what you're thinking probably is that you've got a calendar. You've got a schedule. You've got things planned. And how many of you know that, that having a plan is not the same as having a vision? Like you might have your summer all planned out, which if you're like me, I've got all my camping trips planned out, my fishing trips, my hunting trips. Like it's on the calendar, but that doesn't mean I have a vision for my life. Without vision, the people perish. Death comes in. And part of that lack of vision I think that we experience is because we live in such an easily distracted society, don't we? Man, it's so easy to be distracted by such little things. Like right now, I don't know what you're thinking about. I don't know know what's keeping you from being physically and and, and spiritually present right right now. But like your mind might be drifting. You're thinking, you know, did I lock the car? What are we doing for lunch? You know, did I turn the crock pot on? Some of you guys are like, oh man, I should check that. Like little things start to shake us up and we lose our vision so easily. According to Hootsuite, the average person spends two and a half hours hours a day on social media right now. It's a distraction, right? Uh, right now, every day, do you know over a billion hours of video are consumed on YouTube? A billion hours of, of video. If I'm bored, I can just go on Amazon and buy something, right? That's so easy. We just distract ourselves with our credit cards. And again, people today, they're, they're, they're busy, and yet they're somehow bored, and, and they're lacking vision. Ephesians 5.14 says this. It says, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. This is written by by a man named Paul and he's writing to the church in Ephesus and he's talking to Christians and he's saying like, you guys got to wake up. Because some of them, man, they're not even in the family. They're not even saved. Like, like they got to come out of death. Others of them are spiritually sleeping. You see, in this room today are both spiritually dead people and spiritually sleeping people. You can be physically present, and yet your spirit is, is dead. And what the Bible says is that without Jesus, we are spiritually dead. It says we are literally dead in our sins in our trespasses, and that we can't save ourselves. That's why moral behavior doesn't fix it. Going to church on Easter doesn't fix it, right? Giving a little money to the poor doesn't fix it. You can't do enough good stuff because you are literally dead in your sins. That's why we need Jesus. That's why the cross matters. That's why the resurrection matters. It's when we come to terms in this room together to admit that we can't save ourselves. 
And if you're here and you're looking around and you're like, oh, these church people, they got it all together. I promise you, they do not. They do not. Like, there is not a substance that has not been smoked or, or, or drank or uh, uh, like any kind of thing that has not been done in this room, right? Any law that has not been broken by the people in this room. The only difference is that they've been redeemed by Jesus. That's the difference. Like, like we are all people that need the grace of Christ. And so be careful just assuming that people have it all together. None of us have it together. But some of us know where our hope comes from. And it comes from Jesus. He is the hope that we're looking for. Paul says, hey, wake up, sleeper. Wake up. He's speaking to Christians. Some of you are in the church, and you've been around Christianity a long time. In fact, if in that, that uh, survey there was a box that just said Christian, you would have checked that box. Like, yeah, of course. That's what I've always been. I've been a Christian. But Paul is saying that, like, hey, there are people that are indis- indistinguishable from the world. Like, they would say that they're Christians, but really, the people around you can't tell. And, and a simple test would be, like, do people that know you best just, do they know that you're a follower of Jesus? Not do they know you go to church on Sunday, but do they see the risen Jesus in the way you live, in the way you speak? Like, when you come into a room, do things come to life or do things end up dying, right? Like, when your mouth opens, when, when the words come out of your mouth, do you bring life or do you bring death? Because when we are saved by Christ, we're going to mess up sometimes. But at the same time, we're going to be changed by him. James, the brother of Jesus, says that faith without works is dead. If we've not been transformed in a way that, that, that is actually visible on the outside, then we're no different than anyone else. It changes us. Are you distinguishable from the world around you if you would say you're a Christian? Like, can people tell you're alive? I remember when my kids were little... Um, They'd be sleeping, and I'd always go check on them at night because I'd worry about them. And uh, I learned how to wrap them up. Some of you new dads have figured this out. It's, it's called the burrito wrap, right? Where you wrap the little baby all up, and they, they can't really move, and they just sleep really soundly. And so I remember going into their bedrooms, all of them, and they'd be laying there, and our kids, all of them slept really still and really quiet when they were sleeping and really soundly. And so, like, they're just laying there, and I'd walk up, and I'd, I'd be like, is this kid dead? Like, is he okay? Like, what's going on? And the only way I could, I could tell was I would just stick my cheek right down by their nose. And I'd try to feel the breath coming out. I'd be like, oh, they're fine. It's good. It's good. Amanda, she's alive. It's good. We're all good, right? But, but I wouldn't know otherwise. And, and I would just tell you, like, I think this describes much of the church today. That you got to get really, really close and ask some really, really deep questions to even sometimes tell if somebody is a follower of Jesus. And what Paul says is he says, wake up. And the reason we got to wake up, the reason this is so important right now, this, this moment matters so much is because he says the days are evil. Um, which I don't, I don't know if it would take a lot to convince you of this, but all I got to do is watch the news for like five minutes to realize that the world has lost its mind, right? Like preach, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Like it's crazy out there. And and as we watch the news, man, things are bad. Things are really bad. I was watching this thing a couple of weeks ago, just about the anniversary of some of the things happening with the war in Ukraine. And uh, it was a special about this family who had been living in a bunker for over a year. And they barely came out of this bunker, just occasionally to get a little bit of food and then went back in. And this is their life run right now. The world's gone crazy. It's evil out there. I was watching another video 
about what's happening in Burkina Faso. Uh, many of you know that as a church, we sponsor children through Compassion International, and many of them are in Burkina Faso right now. I'm watching this video of these little boys that, that were being murdered just for being little boys. And I'm like, man, the days are evil. Many of us were glued to our TVs just a week ago with the shooting that happened in Nashville. And you're going, man, adults and children being shot. I, I think as, like, as a dad, I'm like, how can this happen? I mean, this is, people have lost their minds. How can this happen? But again, like we just, we go back to the scriptures and we realize that this is what flows from the world apart from Jesus. This is all that can happen without people who are putting their hope in Christ. I read a study uh, this week that said that one in three adolescent girls today, this, is, this was done in 2022, one in three adolescent girls have considered taking their own lives. So pray for your youth workers, right? Pray for parents. Pray for our teenagers. It is a hard time. People are full of anxiety, full of fear. And the thing is, the story that's being told us is not like that. The story that's being told to us is this. Hey, we're getting better, y'all. Hey, we're progressing technologically, and uh, we're, we're, we're progressing politically, and if we just start to fix these things, then everything's going to be great. But I'm just telling you, the real narrative is that it is not getting better, it's getting worse. And so again, where do we find salvation? Is it getting the right person in office? Which I'm, I'm all for getting the right person in office, but is that going to save us? Is it really getting that job that you're hoping to get? Is that going to give you the peace that you desire? Is it that relationship that you have been dreaming of for years? Like, really? Really, is that going to do what you hope it will do? In this text, when he says, wake up, the Greek word is igero, which simply means to raise up. He's literally talking about resurrection. And he's talking again to the church. Like a lot of times on Easter, I'm talking to the people that are, that are brand new, or maybe, man, you've never heard the story of Jesus. He loves you so much, and he died for you, and I want to share that with you, but I also want to share this with the Christians. It's the people who have maybe found themselves in Christianity for quite some time, and maybe you've fallen asleep in your faith. He says, you need to be resurrected. You need to come alive today. You need to wake up. And I'll tell you, I think there are different kinds of waker-uppers in the room. Like my wife and I, were completely different. Um, when you woke your kids up, if you have kids uh, today, like maybe your wife went in and she was like, oh, hey, sweetie, rubbing the back, right? Hey, it's Easter morning. He is risen. Yeah, he is risen. It's time to get up. Get your shoes on. Like it's time to get up and go to Easter. It's going to be a good day. We're going to go hear a sermon from Pastor Bride. It's going to be a good day. And then what's the dad do when he walks in? Flips on the lights. Wake up! right? Like that's what I do, right? I'm just like, get up, get out of bed, time to go. And, and, and again, there's different kinds of wake, waker-uppers, right? In this text, I want you to hear this. Paul is not going, hey church, hey, it's going to be a good day, church in Alaska. Hey, hey CF, like wake up, wake up, get your shoes on. Like, oh, so take your time. Take. He's going, wake up, you're about to die. That's what he's saying. He's saying death is at your door. You're, you're sleeping through your life, and there comes a point where if you do that enough, you need to be honest and assess your faith. The, the Bible says that we should be constantly assessing ourselves to see if we're in the faith. At some point, we're going to go, hey, does my Christianity change anything about my life? If not, maybe it's not my Christianity, which means maybe that's not my Christ. Maybe I found my own Savior. And maybe... 
the words coming from my mouth say that I love Jesus, but the lifestyle says that I am here to save myself. And he is simply just an addition to what I do. I don't know if you've ever gotten a wake-up call, but I really believe like today's a wake-up call for some of you. Um, and I, I feel like it's a special day. I feel like God's inviting somebody here, maybe many of you today, to take a major step in your life. And uh, it's kind of funny. I woke up this morning and I was just praying. And uh, I had a different shirt planned, by the way. This is a miracle. I'm wearing a tie. If you're, if you're new, you're like, what's with the guy up front, man? Uh, I don't typically wear ties. But I, I feel like literally this morning when I was praying, God said, today's a really special day for someone. Put your tie on. So here I am. I don't know. I, I got my tie on. So I don't know if that's you today. But I feel like God is wanting to wake some people up from their slumber from a faith that isn't real, honest faith. Anybody here old enough to remember uh, going to a hotel and doing wake-up calls? Raise your hand. Anybody old enough to remember? Yeah, yeah, if you're under 20, you're like, that's called my iPhone. I get it. You just set your alarm and it does its thing, right? You don't have to reprogram it for the time change. But it used to be back in the day that you would have to, like, you'd go into the hotel and put your stuff down. You'd be like, man, I don't want to oversleep tomorrow. And I'd, I'd call the desk and I'd go, hey, wake me up. It's 6 a.m. I got a, I got a flight to catch. Because here's the deal. I believe that today's a wake-up call. I believe today is a moment as you come before the resurrection of Jesus that you have a decision to make. And I'm just pleading with you, would you make it? Would you make it? Because maybe it's not just this moment, but maybe it's what's going on in your life. Is there something that's happening right now where God's trying to get your attention? If you're anything like me, I am really thick-headed. It takes a lot to get my attention. And maybe God is trying to wake you up. And maybe recently you've had a moment where you've said these words, uh, things just got real. You ever said that before? Like, things just got real. This is a wake-up call. I've had a bunch of these things that got real moments in my life. I remember when I drove away from my parents' house when I was 18 in my 88 Chevy Stepside pickup with everything I had in the back of the truck. And I just, I left and I was on my own and I'm driving out of the, out of the driveway and I was like, whoa, things just got real. It's crazy. Then I remember continuing forward in my life when I asked my wife's father if I could marry her. And he goes, hey, let's set up a second meeting. <laughs> Which wasn't what I was asking for. I thought, get permission right now. And he's like, hey, uh, let's talk again. We're going to have to pray about this. Since, which I don't blame him looking back. But we met again and him and my mother-in-law were gracious enough to give me permission to ask my wife to marry me. Um, she's serving on media over here, by the way. And uh, I, I walked away from that conversation. I was like, okay, things are going to cha get changed. Like, it, it just got real in my life. I remember when we brought our first child home from the hospital. And you've never driven as carefully as you do when you bring your first child home from the hospital, right? I mean, seatbelts on seatbelts on seatbelts. That kid's like ratchet strapped in the back. I got everything covered. We're safe, Right? But you're just driving away from the hospital and you're like, man, like, they're giving us a child? I don't feel like they should do that. Don't we need a couple more classes or something? How could you trust us? We've never had a kid before. But I remember thinking things just got real. And then I remember the day that um, my wife, she was pregnant with our oldest child, and, or our, I'm sorry, our youngest child. And I came into the house and, and she's like, honey, call the ambulance. Something's wrong. 
and uh, called the ambulance. Ambulance shows up. They get her out there, and we're driving to the hospital, and she's losing consciousness in the back, and I'm in the front just losing my mind, and I hear from the back of the ambulance, I hear these words. I'll never forget it. I hear, we can't hear the baby's heartbeat. And I thought, things just got real. We're actually celebrating that that little boy uh, got baptized a year ago right here in this room today. So, yeah, it's awesome. God is so faithful. But, man, these are the moments where I wonder what God is using right now to get your attention. I wonder what in your life that he's going, man, I'm doing, I'm doing what I can to try to get your attention, and you're just missing it right now. You're missing it. How could you do that? How could you miss it? Back to the story of these, two, these women at the tomb. It's three days after the resurrection of Jesus. Whatever hope they had in Jesus being resurrected was gone. They bring these spices. And the reason they brought the spices is because they were going to embalm the body. Once again, nobody expected no body, right? And they show up and they encounter this angel. Jesus is gone. And he says this in verse 5 of chapter 24. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. I just wonder for you, where are you looking for life among dead things? What is it in your life that you're seeking to try to fulfill you and and to try to give you life, and it never can give you that life? You can't buy, drink, drive, marry, or mortgage anything that's going to give you life, I promise you. And ask anybody that's gotten the things that you dream of and want, and they will tell you that. They'll tell you, yeah, I got it, and then, man, I just needed something else. It's never going to give you the hope that Jesus is here to give you. And I wonder for you, have you hit rock bottom yet? Have you gotten low enough yet? Because sometimes that's what it takes is that we got to get so low that we got to go, man, I can't save myself. I need a savior, right? And I'll tell you what, like that's what, I mean, it's happened in my life. Maybe it's happened in your life. Maybe God's trying to do it right now. I heard somebody say once that sometimes you got to hit rock bottom to realize that God is the rock at the bottom, He is the foundation you need. He is everything that you needed. He is the rock that you were looking for the whole time. It goes on to say in in, in verse 8, it says, Then they remembered his words. Think about that. Like they'd spent years and years with Jesus, and then they remembered his words. What he's not saying is then they recalled his words. Like, oh yeah, he did say that over and over again, that he was going to be raised from the dead. No, they're talking about a moment where for these women, it clicked. This is what I've been praying for you for today, is that maybe today's the day that it clicks. You go, oh, he really loves me. Oh, like salvation is through him and him alone. Oh, he's not really impressed with my Easter church attendance or the dress that I put on today. He wants a humble soul to come before him, and he will give us and give you that peace. Like maybe it's just clicking for you today. Maybe you're in a season of a rude awakening. And it's been, man, it's been rocky lately. And, and, and up to this point today, you have not yet said, Jesus, I need you. And just put down your arms and said, Father, I need you to save me. Anybody ever uh, here today woken up to an earthquake in Alaska? Anybody? Yeah, so that's called a rude awakening, right? Do you do the thing like I do where you lay there and you're like, how bad does it have to get for me to get out of bed? Like, I don't know, <laughs> shaking around. I think it's going to stop. I, it's, we all do that. It's a rude awakening, right? Maybe you've experienced a rude awakening where it's gotten really bad in your life. And, and maybe you've been mad at God for that. 
You thought, man, is God out to get me? I promise you today, God is not out to get you. He's out to save you. And that difficult thing that you're going through right now is not meant to, meant to cause you to pull away from God, but it's actually uh, meant to pull you into God. And he's inviting you into something beautiful. It's not meant to de- destroy you. It's meant to disturb you into calling out for him and being honest with him about who you are and your need for him. You see, you've got a decision to make. I believe that when things get real, God is inviting you to get right. It's funny, a lot of people say that. Even, even people who haven't been in the church for a while, they use those terms like, man, I need to get right with God. What's that mean? I think it means I needed to realign my posture with who he is. You see, I felt like I was above needing a savior. I felt like I was above crying out to him. I felt like I was good because I've been in church so long, whatever it is. But maybe your call today through something difficult that you're going through or simply through this sermon is to wake up to reality. You need Jesus. He alone can save. Change your posture to him. Humble yourself before him. And I just promise you, like, even if it's been years, Even if the people around you just, they assume that you're already a Christian, but you know that your faith isn't real. Today can be your day to make it real. Think up to this point. All the disciples had deserted Jesus, and yet he still died for them. All of them had walked away, yet Jesus still went to the cross for them. It doesn't matter what you've done, what shame you carry. Jesus died for you today. He loves you so much. And today can be a day that changes absolutely everything. And I want to share a couple of stories from some friends who've been real low, who've experienced this moment where they're at rock bottom, and at that moment, they cried out to the God that would save. Check out these stories. When I was 17, I was hunting in one part of the property with Dean, and my dad and my brother were on another part, and it was a slow day, and I'm walking back, and I see for me what looked like uh, the backside of a deer. We were hunting white-tailed deer. And, uh, and I pulled the trigger. And next thing I hear is Dean yelling that he'd been shot. We got engaged, but in that time was diagnosed with um, bipolar disorder kind of put a name to like the really big lows that I was having, but also having um, really big highs that were like kind of unexplainable to me at the moment. And I was having suicidal ideations quite often. At the time, I had a mentor named Crystal. She would always ask me, uh, how far down the spiral are you? And that was like the one question I was able to actually answer like accurately. Um, instead of just like, how are you doing? But I ended up telling her that I was far enough down that I'm not planning on seeing tomorrow. My dad says, what happened? And I lied. said, somebody shot him. It wasn't the truth. I knew what I'd done. Um, But I was scared scared of what would happen if I told the truth. They take him off to the hospital. Ended up falsifying a a police report. It just kind of starts to eat at me. Um, You know, afraid about being found out, afraid about the lie being found out, um, afraid that something's gonna happen to Dean and he would die. 
month and a half go by and during that time I'm not doing well. Probably suicidal I think. Got admitted and was hospitalized. Um, spent a lot of time wrestling with God during that time. Um, a lot of time being able to process stuff that I wasn't able to process outside of those walls. Definitely questioned God's goodness to an extreme. I, um, at some points, definitely believed that he wasn't good anymore. I wrestled with the thought that he made me so specifically and intentionally, yet he made me to not want to live and like he made me um, with a body that was self-sabotaging which didn't make sense to me and um, yeah I didn't see any hope in it at the time uh, for a decent amount of time. Um, By this point I'm, I'm married and have a couple of kids and, uh, and 15 years into our marriage we kind of have somewhat of a meltdown and uh, went through quite a bit of counseling and, and therapy, the both of us. The process of recovery involves making right the wrongs of my past. You know, as I'm working my way through my list, uh, comes time to get back in touch with uh, Dean after 35 years of my life and to go back and confront what I'd done. And it was kind of scary. You know, a lot of things going through my mind. You know, does he want to see me? Is he going to just shoot me? So I get to his office and he invites me in and um, shakes my hand. And, and then he's like, well, how can I help you today? And I told him, I was like, Dean, you know, when I was 17 and you were hunting with me, uh, I shot you. And I was breaking the rules and I was wrong. And then I lied about it to cover it up. Uh, I lied about it to you and my dad and then to the police. And uh, it was wrong. He said, what do you mean? He's like, you've been carrying that around all this time? He's like, I forgave you a long time ago. All that, all the way back then when it happened, I forgave you. And, uh, <laughs> and just this weight was lifted. Um, you know, off my shoulders of, you know, that I'd been carrying all these years. Every day, realistically, um, I, yeah, live with this diagnosis. It's a daily battle, realistically, and um, it's not over by any means, even though it's been two years since I've been hospitalized and however many um, since I can remember having all of the symptoms and side effects and all of that. There, is so much hope that I can see now looking back uh, and honestly looking forward <laughs> um, that I didn't see for so long and I was at a point where it was so so dark for so so long and ultimately was so so close to death and then um, God was very much present and showed me that um, there's something worth seeking help for friend of mine said that uh, forgiveness is choosing to carry the weight of somebody else's wrong without having to have them pay it back. And that's what, that's what Dean did with me. Uh, that's what 
Christ has done with me. Whether that was my husband or friends or girls that I lead or family um, or a future family, like ultimately that, yeah, is why, why I'm here. I'm in need and uh, we're all in need of, of that forgiveness. Come on. Man. Man, thank you guys for sharing your stories there. Um, that takes some courage, doesn't it? To put that stuff out there. Uh, it takes courage to acknowledge that you do need saving. It really does. Uh, it goes against everything inside of us as self-sufficient human beings. We really do want to think that we're enough. And yet, by God's grace, we all come to these moments where we realize that we're not. You really have to come to the end of yourself to realize that you need Jesus. And so my question for you today is, how is God trying to get your attention right now? And maybe you've missed it. Maybe you missed it. Maybe, like when it says the ladies, they remembered Jesus' words. Maybe you've heard it all for years, but somehow you missed the main thing. You can come to Easter today, and you can miss the main thing. And I see it every year. People walk out of here, and I hear the stories from friends and family members. They're like, yeah, I brought this person. They came to church, and, you know, it just wasn't their day. And they walk out, and they're, you know, they're out in the lobby. They're laughing, getting family photos, and they missed it. They missed it, friend. Like, the stakes are high. I want you to hear this. The stakes are so high. We believe that, like, your decision that you make today will echo into eternity. We believe that we are sinful human beings that are lost that there is no hope apart from Jesus. We believe that there is a real heaven and a real hell. And you need to hear this, that your moral behavior, it may keep you out of jail, but it won't keep you out of hell. Like you can try to become a better person and just keep trying to fix your problems all on your own, but it is an endless cycle of hopelessness. We need Jesus. How is God trying to get your attention today? Or maybe a deeper question would be this, what would it take to get your attention what would it take for God to, to get you just eye to eye with him? This is what I do with my kids sometimes. When I'm like, okay, they're, they're not focusing, I'll just, I'll just kind of grab them on the head. I'll go, hey, look in my eyes. I think that's what God wants to do with some of you today. Like, even if you've been in the church forever, the God's like, hey, look in my eyes. This is the day of redemption. This is the day of healing for you. It's a day for you to make a move and to be courageous in making that move. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to make that move right now. Right in this gym, I want to encourage you to do this. I'm really begging you just to be honest with yourself and, and to ask yourself the question, do I have faith? And if you're a church person, ask yourself, is my faith real? Would God say, yeah, like, that's an authentic faith in your life. And if it's not, then you have a decision to make today. And Romans 10, 9 says this. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Praise God for that. Yeah. That's the invitation for you today. He says, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. You see, I think some people in this room have prayed a little prayer or maybe been kind of riding the coattails of your parents' faith for too long. You need to make it your own. Like, you can't be saved through somebody else. It's only by your own authentic faith, and it's a faith that actually is in Jesus. 
You see, if your life has not been transformed, if you're not different today than the day that you gave your life to to Jesus, it's not an authentic faith. Because to believe in Jesus is to actually put your hope in him. Because the Bible says that even the demons believe in Jesus and they shudder. So an intellectual like, oh yeah, I believe in God and I believe in the whole Jesus thing, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to save you. It's only at the point that you say, I'm ready to rest my life on the resurrection. I'm ready to trust that this is the moment that I am giving my whole self to Jesus. And, and maybe you've kept your faith kind of private. I hear that a lot. Like, I have a private faith. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't have a private faith? Aren't you glad that Jesus went publicly to a cross and died for the sins of the world? And so I just want you to know this. Hear, hear me today. A private faith is a powerless faith. Maybe the reason that you're like, man, my faith just hasn't taken off, hasn't grown, is because you've kept it private for so long. And so this is a wake-up moment for you in this room today, and I want to invite you to be courageous. And I'm going to do something I've never actually done before in church. I don't know. God is just calling us to do this as a church family. And I'm, in a minute, I'm going to invite you to actually stand in your seat. And whether you're a church person, you've been in the church for years, and you're like, man, okay, my faith hasn't been real. I need to make this profession and make it real today. Or today is your first day in church. And God's saying, hey, I love you. I died for you. And I want you as my son or my daughter. I'm going to invite you to have the courage to stand and to make your faith visible as we just read, to openly declare that Jesus is the Lord of my life. So I'm just going to count down. I'm going to give you a chance to do this. All right. So one, two, listen, Jesus loves you so much. Three, Stand in your seat. If this is you today, if God is speaking to you, amen. All around the room, amen. Amen. Celebrate new life in Jesus today, amen. Don't leave here without standing in your seat. If God is speaking to your heart, don't leave here. Stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. Amen, amen. If that's you, stand to your seat. You still have time. You still have time. If God's speaking to your heart, we're gonna celebrate. Amen, yeah, amen. Amen. Keep standing. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. If you're a Christian around these people, I want you to walk over to them. It's going to get weird for a second. Put your hand on their shoulder. I'm sorry if you're uncomfortable with this, but but following Jesus is a team sport. You don't want to do it alone. So get up. Stand up. If you're a Christian in this room, find somebody who's standing in this room who stood up. I want you to lay a hand on their shoulder. I want you to pray for them. I want you to surround them. Don't leave anybody in this room. We're going to need all of you to stand up and find somebody to pray for. Don't leave anybody in the room not being prayed for right now. Look around you. Look behind you. I want to make sure that everybody just gets a hand on them, and we're going to pray together. Here's what I'm going to do. I just want everybody in the room, whether you're a Christian or you're just becoming a Christian, to repeat this prayer after me, okay? Everybody together, out loud, just say these words. God, I know I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. I believe you died for my sins. And you were raised from the dead. And I believe you did that for me. I give you my sin once and for all. And I receive life everlasting. I'll do my best to live in victory. And I'll trust your grace when I don't. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate new life in this room? Amen. So good.
can head back to your seats for just a moment. We've got one last thing we're going to do together as a family here today. Over in the cross, or the corner, you've seen this cross, and it's covered with little pieces of plastic. Maybe you got a piece as you came in today. And uh, what we see here is what's called a mosaic. And a mosaic is a piece of artwork that's made of all kinds of little broken pieces to create something beautiful. And the reason that we're going to do that today is because I believe that's what God has done in my life, and that's what he's doing in the life of the church. Like, what just happened here today is beautiful, y'all. Like, it's crazy how God is changing lives. It's a beautiful thing. He takes us as broken people, and he makes beautiful things out of it. That's what God loves to do. That's what he wants to do in your life. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask yourself these questions. First, what has Jesus given you victory over? Is there something that he saved you from? As a, as a follower of Jesus, you, you might have a list, but what's the one thing? Or maybe it's this, what are you trusting Jesus with today? You haven't made this decision before today, but today you're going to trust him with this thing. And maybe it's uh, that you've been hurt by the church. Man, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that nobody was hurt by the church more than Jesus, but no one loved the church more than Jesus. And in the end, none of us are only victims of church hurt. We are actually perpetrators because we're the ones that caused Jesus to die for our sins. Okay, so maybe it's that you're going to trust Jesus with your hurt from the church. Maybe it's anger, fear, abuse. Maybe it's being a victim or it's the shame that you carried in this Easter with you of the things that you've done. Maybe it's unforgiveness. I'm going to write down fear. I, I have a lot of fear and anxiety in my life. You guys don't get this. Like, this freaks me out doing what I'm doing right now. Like, this stresses me out. Um, I got to pray a lot before I get on this stage. But I'm going to write down fear because I've really been giving fear to God. I don't know what it is to you, but I want you to think of that word. Then come down the aisles, and there are these tables. And I want you to write that word on one of those mosaic pieces and then leave that on the table. And we've got people who are going to bring those pieces over to the cross, and we're going to create something beautiful out of the brokenness. Amen? And if you're with us online, what we want you to do is the same thing. Type it in the chat, and we have a runner that's going to be writing down the things that you type in the chat, and they're going to be uh, working for you today and putting those things on the cross in the room here as well. So let's stand together and let's worship Jesus.